When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal show with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and our guest this week is returning to the show for more abuse after having appeared with us way back in 2015. He's an actor, writer, author, director, occasional musician, a podcast host, and one of the funniest and most provocative comedians of his generation. You've seen him in feature films like Half-Baked, Critical Condition, Dumb and Dumbera, uh, Meet Wally Sparks. I was in that. And Please don't read my IMDb. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> just stop. Just say who it is. We're friends for 40 years. Just uh... say- Say my name, I swear to God, my credits, I'll kill myself, Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert, well, Gilbert, COVID, <laughs> stop with the credits. You've seen him in films that no one saw. Gilbert, at least do the last paragraph. Okay. I directed Dirty Work, Gilbert. Yeah, we, Gilbert. That, that's on there. Well, this dude, just say here, whatever, whatever Frank says. But I want to say you were also in The Aristocrats that that's, I, yeah, there you I've go, heard of. <laughs> well, you, you're responsible for it, you crazy yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Gil, do the last paragraph. Go okay. Ahead. <laughs> His new podcast is called Bob Saget's Here For You, and he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to tell us the story about Rodney Dangerfield and porn star Ron Jeremy. Please welcome back our old friend, the man, the legend, and the only other person besides yours truly who on this show who's ever portrayed Abraham Lincoln, our pal Bob Saget. <laughs> That's true. Thank you. Daniel Day-Lewis did a job not as good as my <laughs> roast of Abraham Lincoln. You were sensational. Oh, it happens. You know, it was all Jeff. I just sat there, took abuse like usual, and other people got the credit. Um, the, the, actually, the, the I forgot the name of the amazing comedian that did Harriet Tubman. She crushed it, the one that I was on. Gilbert, you were on one of them. Were I, you uh, Adolf I was, Hitler? I was Hitler. And that's I, nice. I roasted Anne Frank. Hey, that's really good. That's good. It adds to the resume. It stays in context with the rest of your work. Um, I, I liked it because it was tasteful. I, I agree. Uh, I would say something really foul right now, but I can't. I just, tweet, I just tweeted something I'm going to get in trouble with. I said, is it a bad doctor? Because I just had to get a COVID test because uh-huh. I'm doing a television show on Friday. 
So they wanted to come to my house three days before I do the television show, which means I could definitely get COVID by French kissing a UPS driver tomorrow. But they don't care. They just wanted it today. And I wrote in Twitter, is it a bad doctor? Because the swab is supposed to go in your penis hole, right? (laughs) So I'll probably be banished from Twitter. Um, And I don't think most people call it a penis hole. I think they say urethra. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Medical people. Well, you were you were almost a doctor. You should know this stuff. I was. I was yeah. a, a proctologist just on corners. It was a side <laughs> job. I set it up as a Punch and Judy puppet show, and uh, people would just put their butt up into the curtains, and I'd just go in. Um, how are you doing? What's going on with you guys? Well, I remember for a while we were sending each other. <laughs> We were sending each other emails back and forth. Yes, yes. And, and each one got more dirty and perverse than the last one. Yeah, and, we can't and, say any of it. Yeah, and, and uh, we both had the idea, let's put this out as a book. Yes, and, and it was going to be uh, my, my, uh, conversation, my conversations with Gottfried, like my conversations with God. Yeah, and, I think uh, you were I, I sent it to my it. manager. Go ahead. I think you were going to call it Tuesdays with Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Yes. Uh, I think that would, we could, we could do a whole series of books that will put us in prison. Um, <laughs> it would definitely ruin whatever else we've tried to ruin with our careers. Um, and my manager read the emails and said, <laughs> you need to destroy these. And I ha- <laughs> They're not on my server, but I have them saved on a hard drive somewhere. So one day in 30 years when everything is uh, PC doesn't matter anymore, we can release this to an entire society of, of, of just derelicts, just terrible, horrible, <laughs> perverted people that think that's the rule of law. We have to wait 30 years, Bob. Yeah, it's really that bad. Because um, Bob, unlike me, is worried about preserving his career. Well, no, you're, you, Gilbert, you did something lovely in your documentary, which people should see. What's it called? Gilbert. How'd you come up yeah. with the name? <laughs> but you did a hell of a business for miniature uh, toiletry products, and it really was a good plug. Um <laughs> Uh, and I just think that people should see that because that it, you're just a sweetheart and um, you do what I do, which is we say the unthinkable because life's so painful that w- the option is we sit there and actually have the feelings and cry all day. So instead, we talk about doing horrible things to people that uh, are the kindest people. Uh you know, that's where we say things you shouldn't say. You know, we were the kids, the first people that would hear, God forbid, a Helen Keller joke back in the day in elementary school. And we told those jokes and we were wrong, but it's only because it's so horrible. It was like I'm the first person that would go help. You wouldn't do this, but I would help a person <laughs> with Helen Keller's problems because I would, you know, she was a, a, a genius. She was, she she went through a lot more than you or I. I mean, I wish you were blind and deaf and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
think I'm saying I wish you were the the new Helen Keller. <laughs> I think. Where, where did your dark? Where did the darkness in your sense of humor come from, Bob? In part from your dad, who would tell you dirty jokes at at. Uh, well, they at, were. Uh, it was part at, that, at but also moments. when I was about when you're five, you're just. I was just talking about this in my podcast. Um, with I, I call people sometimes. I call, I talk mm-hmm. to people. And Gilbert, I need to have you on my podcast, so we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, I'm soon. kind and of busy now, but uh, okay, then uh, yeah. it's fine that you can't do it. But it's it's video as well, so you'll need to be looking at me. You'll need to. Un- you- I know it's hard for you, but you're going to need to unsquint. Um, I know that just your eyes are very, very. Um, you know, you've got an issue with the sun. You picked a great career with spotlights in it to stand right there. Obviously, you have sensitive eyes. I think Mitch Hedberg tinted glasses should have come your way 10 years ago. Yeah, you should go on um, stage like George Shearing, Gil. I think Roy Orbison. I mean, Orbison. you hold on to that mic with two hands because you can't see anything and you're afraid the ship's going to sink. So I, I truly suggest that you get some kind of tinted contacts or realize that your chosen field once you're allowed to go out and perform again. I, I know you I want to get those glasses that both... Dean Martin and Ed McMahon wore late in their career. Oh, the old, the old Swifty Lazar numbers. Yes, yes. Yeah, the yeah. big ones. Yeah, the Freddie de Cordova glasses. Right, the giant Freddie de Cordova. Yes. yes, you should have them. And they would should be made of lead, so it pulls you to the bottom of the ocean when they throw you in. How about a monocle are, like Bud Friedman, Gil? <laughs> Bud's okay, right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh... We we know him a long time. Oh he's, God, uh, yeah. He's in a wheelchair now, so if you and he are by the dock, if you're sitting on his lap, I'd push you both in. Um, Bob, do you, do you remember meeting Gilbert for the first time? And was it at the Improv? I think or, it uh, might or, have been at a or catch. Uh, I think it was at a sperm bank, and he was um, <laughs> he was a receptacle. Um, no, I think because of the height, he and I got along great. Um, I think it was it was a catch arising. Was star. it catch? Yeah, yeah, it was catch. And he had uh, he had the uh, Jufro, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and I had a bouffant. I had a big old bouffant that looked like I work uh, in the clinical area of a, of an administrative uh, doctor's office. I don't know what I'm saying, but I, I had a I, big big old hair. I remember uh, hanging out with you at some hotel in L.A. I was doing something for Aladdin, and you were doing something for Full House. And a waiter walked by with the dessert wagon. And and in the middle of the conversation, you said, oh, hold on a second, Gilbert. And you turned around and farted on the dessert wagon. No, I didn't. You did. I did not. I'm not capable of doing that. Are, are you sure? Gilbert, I didn't. I don't I, fart I, in public. I, I, how old? This is a long time ago. So this is like 25 years ago? Yeah, so this was, uh, you had that talent back then. Oh, you know what I remember? It was a carrot cake, but I turned into Black Forest cake. <laughs> I freckled the cake. 
I, I feel don't deep. think I did that. You sure it was not Lovett, somebody that we know Love would do it. that? <laughs> maybe it was some. Maybe it was the Olsen twins. I think no. Don't start that again. You know how much trouble you. By the way, by the way, Gilbert, I you have caused me some trouble because I will post something sweet about you know about kids or being a father or something nice on my Instagram or on my Twitter, and the response is, and on YouTube, I'll talk about stuff on my podcast, and you'll they'll say young people actually believe what your bit was at my roast of Comedy Central. <laughs> and oh, 1990. Have, it has, this is how stupid people are, is they don't know irony, sarcasm, or the wickedest thing is the thing you say to the nicest person. Now, you're finding humor in this, and at the time... <laughs> At the roast, I was like, oh, oh, God, this is funny because we're all the bad boys club and it's Norm MacDonald sitting there and Jeff sure. Garland, a lot of our friends, Jim Norton, people that we cared about. And Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman and uh, right. Susie Essman and right. just a lot of wonderful friends of ours. And everybody's laughing because it's the worst thing. What's the worst thing you can say? Well, the times have changed. So anybody that's listening that has been through such a, a heinous experience, um, it, you know, this was not meant to make light of that. It was meant to make fun of me in the most horrific way possible. The sad part is, is that we have to explain that now. Mm-hmm. And you're the guy that looks like he wouldn't have done it. I'm the guy who's the father on TV, and there are 19-year-olds, 16-year-olds that actually believe it's fact. Because I used to have a joke that men can breastfeed. I actually read that, and then I went, okay, I wrote it down, and then I read it. And that's where we're at. We're at a place, not that that was a joke, but that's what I said. Uh, But we're at a place where anybody reads something anywhere, they believe it's fact. And that's the news. That's the news. Somebody writes something down, someone reads it or tweets it, and it's fact, and it's just a world full of shit. That's bizarre, isn't it? It's a strange it's world not to be the living world. in. It's 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 the it's and it's not just the media. It's human beings. It's it's because uh, Gilbert's always done things out of irreverence. To answer your question, Frank, I had people die every year or two. Yeah, so I, uh, I had a cousin die of cancer when I was like nine. I had um, uncles die every year. A different uncle died. So that was kind of like I, I didn't know how to deal with death. So we started joking about it. And people that have had death don't joke about it unless they're askew like I was um, because that's how I dealt with it. My dad dealt with it the same way. He was the oldest of four brothers and a sister, and he outlived all but uh, his sister who passed away a couple years ago. But I got her remains, and they're in the yard. (laughs) I just want to see if you're listening. Just wanted to see if you were listening. Uh, Yeah. I love that you listened. Well, I... I, I, it's, it's funny to me, like, when you have to apologize for any joke you make nowadays, because uh, when they say, like, oh, that's so tasteless, well, yes. Uh, you, when you tell a joke like that, you know it's tasteless. And I know. And well, you're especially trying... at a roast. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the stock and trade of roasts. But also in Gilbert's stand-up, uh, in my stand-up, I mean, right before we went into quarantine, 
I had a new hour and 20 minutes ready to do a special, and then here I am not until I'm able to go back. Um, and a lot of it was already happening, the PC of it all. So if I want to say something bad, you know, uh, I take a long time to tether into it and then tether and then and then come out of it. So I'll set it up and say, I can't say this anymore. Here's something I can't say. Then I'll say it. And then I'll say, no, this is horrible because it affects these people. And then I'll try to do some little funny asides afterward. But I I got to buffer it and bubble wrap it because it's not meant to hurt anyone. And you have to clarify that it's not. And it still hurts people. I don't want to hurt people. You and I want to make people laugh, Gilbert. That's just a fact. You want to hurt Gilbert a little, don't you, Bob? Very much so by twisting his nuts. <laughs> Gilbert, I got a real question, an honest yes, question yes. for you. And, and it's going to be very honest. I hope it's not invasive. How tall are you? I think last time they measured me, I'm like 5'4". Okay. Um, this is a serious question. Have you really found that your nutsack has grown? As you, is it is it double the length? Is it like bocce balls? Is it like what are those things called that go back and forth? Those oh little balls? yes, yes. Oh, uh, the, the things on somebody's desk. Yeah, they, yeah the I, little. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. The movie starts with it. Yeah. Uh, the the wonderful movie version of David Mamet's play. People listening, a play is something that people go see in a thing called a theater, and and then it's a great story by a guy named David Mamet, who's a great playwright, which means he writes down the play. So it's not a YouTube video, and it's not a sitcom or a show on Netflix. It's actually in a theater. I don't know. Have I lost your listeners? I think yeah. they call that thing a Newton's cradle. Does that ring a bell, Bob? Oh, that, that sounds... So... Are they hanging longer? Yeah, Do you it, think they're... it's kind of like uh, when you're young, you want a big bulge in your pants. And when you get older, you get that, but it's your balls. <laughs> or it's a goiter. <laughs> Have you had a goiter? <laughs> I'm hoping for one. Bob, I didn't know when you started, you did a, you you had a guitar as part of your act that you yeah, sang. Yeah, for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so when I was 17, I won a radio contest uh, for WMMR in Philadelphia, and I sang a song about bondage. A 17-year-old singing a song about bondage. Oh, Pretty he's going to be fine. He's going to be. <laughs> Gilbert, what was your joke like? You started at 17 or something, right? Yeah, when I started, I was... Basically, uh, like, you know, Frank Gorshin or Rich Little or something, you know. Hey, it was like... Uh, all you did when, impressions? Yeah. All impressions. Yeah. How about that? Wow, I forgot that. You did Ed Sullivan? Uh, never on stage. That, yeah, you did it off stage yeah. for me. Yeah, off stage constantly. But uh, who, who did you do? Who did you do? Who were your impressions? Oh, God, uh, Humphrey Bogart, Peter Laurie, Boris Karloff, even back then. I don't then, know why you I... stopped. Yeah. Because everybody that could appreciate that is dead. <laughs> they, were dead when you, they were dead when you started, Gil. Yes. Uh, this is so disturbing. And I used to do a bit that had both Richard Burton and James Mason, and they both died within two days of each other. 
That's a classic would, bit. You should write more bits about people that you want dead. <laughs> Bob, you're a fan of the old school comics. Obviously, you knew Rodney, you knew Rickles. Well, I knew them well. I mean, uh, Rodney, I was very close with, and he started me when I was 24 um, and put me in the Young Comedian specials, one of the many starts of my career. I've had a lot. And so I was on the one with Sam Kennison, and I introduced right. him to Sam Kennison. Um, and Sam is the thing that exploded out of that special. And then, um, and Rickles, I became, I put him in the movie Dirty Work that I directed, Norm MacDonald's movie, and um, an Artie's, and a um, bunch of great people in that. And uh, Don and I became friendly through John Stamos, really made that happen, because uh, John was close. He had had an older man thing and introduced me to so many people I got to be close with because of John, Gary Marshall. Um, one of my dearest friends in my whole life right now is Norman Lear, who just turned 98. 98, yeah. And he's he's a, a fucking genius. He is, you had him on the podcast. Yeah, and I see him all the time. We, we do Zooms with all of our guys. We have a cigar night with a music company that he owned for years called Concord after he stopped making television, but now he's back making television. Yeah. He's doing so much. He's got a new show that I can't talk about, but it's, he's 98. And, uh, he told me last year, he, cause, um, his show, uh, one day at a time came back as a Latino version and it's doing really well. It was canceled by, uh, Netflix and then picked up by another, I think pop. And I'm not sure, but it's really good. You know, it's got a great cast, Rita Moreno and Hector Alessandro and, it's just a special, special show. And he, he said he had to sign a three-year contract at 97. He goes, can you believe I have to fucking sign a three-year contract at 97? He's an He's, inspiration. He just keeps he, going. If you look at uh, The Norman Lear at Instagram, he gives Monday, he gives morning messages sometimes. Yeah. And he when he turned 98, he said, I wish I could dig a hole. And I got scared at the setup. And then he said, I wish I could dig a hole for all the gratitude I feel, how deep that hole would be. Or I wish I could fly on a plane and go as high as I can to show how much gratitude I feel for every day that I have alive and for how much I appreciate all the people, all the love that I'm getting on my birthday. And that's how we should look at life. I mean, we've all been through shit. I mean, Gilbert, you've been through a bunch of stuff. I've been through a bunch of stuff. Frank, I don't know your story. Have you been through a bunch of stuff? Oh, a little bit here and there. What's the worst yeah. thing that you don't want to talk about that you've been through? Oh, God. Co-hosting this show with Phil. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Did you ever have an almost lethal prostate exam? <laughs> I can't say. I, it's early yet, Bob. I'm hopeful. I, I well, remember uh, there was a picture that Alan King had where he's with Martin and Lewis when they were back when they were a team and they're all young in it and smiling. And he titled the picture back before anything bad or sad happened. How about that? Well, but that's nice. But I mean, he probably wrote that when we were pulling our troops out of Nazi Germany. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't think there's been a time in mankind, where they haven't been just a bunch of fuckwads in the world, you know? I was talking today about it on my podcast, because I don't mention my podcast enough. It's called Bob Saget's Here For You. I don't know how they came up with the name, but um, 
What's the name of your podcast? Gilbert, uh, do you know? Gilbert Gottfried's what? Amazing Colossal Podcast. That's and my documentary is Gilbert. <laughs> and uh, you're in it. You're in my documentary. That's right. We'll I'm give a shout out to that. Neil Berkeley, who did a wonderful job with that documentary. There's also you and I are on Bumping Mics with Jeff Ross and David Tell, which is oh. on Netflix. And you and I sat next to each other, and Andrew Jarecki just rolled film, or whatever the hell it was, hard drive, and said that that footage is a special by itself, that you and I talked for like a half an hour. So I want to get a hold of it, because we just did this and sat next to each other. And I think I talked to you about what made you like how you are, because we've had this conversation before. I'm like, <laughs> did did you have grandparents in the Holocaust? Were your parents who was affected? And it's like you said, nobody. And my answer was, then why? It's <laughs> <laughs> an excellent question. Because it's yeah. almost like you have to go through that or have family that you go, okay, I'm going off the rails. You know? I want to acknowledge Rodney, by the way. You brought Rodney up. Uh, who you were? Who you were close to? Forty. Yeah, Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert teased it. I mean, he teased it in the intro. So yeah, forty. We, well, fortieth anniversary of Caddyshack this past weekend. Yeah, and and Gilbert celebrating an anniversary. Uh, do you do you want to congratulate him on thirty years of Problem Child, Bob? Oh, that's so fantastic! You know, people love Problem Child. Yeah, it's How about so, that, Gil. It's so weird because. When it came out, it was on every critic's worst film list. Uh, but the public loved it. I have people like every day, practically, they're in love with Problem Child. Well, you also had John Ritter. Um, and you got along well with him? Uh, great. Yeah, he was terrific. He is one of the biggest losses. I yeah. am so sorry he's gone because he was... He was such a beautiful person, one of the kindest, sweetest. And my heart goes out to Amy Yazbeck and his kids. Yeah. And, you know, Amy and I, I did a quantum leap once with her. So I kissed her on a quantum leap. She's episode. great. She was, she was here with us a couple of weeks ago. I love her. Yeah, and, she's delightful. Um, and she'll, you know, you don't get over losing the love of your life. Um um, and and she and he was just also so talented, such a good actor. And I mean, big loss, you know, big loss. there's a lot of footage of him on stage with Robin Williams. And that's that's amazing. Gilbert, you spent time on stage with Robin, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the great honors is he would always come into the comedy clubs and a number of times he would say, oh, Gilbert, come up here. And then we'd start riffing, and it was like, I like I said, it was both exhilarating and exhausting at the same time. No, it was, it was a it, it was a missile. It was unbelievable. And then when you think everything's okay, he would march downstage a foot and a half, or march upstage a foot and a half, and you're like, this is it. <laughs> I don't exist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, but the whole point was. It's a play date, and I can't control myself. And that was the point of all of it. And we're not talking about drugs. We're talking about a guy. Talk about all of us. We're all guys that want to play. Uh, so when we're together, there's a delight with comedians. With Robin, when I was on stage with him, it would always be because I was hosting something, whether it be my scleroderma benefit that you've been gracious enough to do. Um, one night, 
at Caroline's in New York, we did it. And you performed, and the performers were uh, Jimmy Fallon and Robin, and uh, I was hosting, and uh, you went up, and we all just stood there and watched you and cried because you, because we, you know, we get you so much, and it's so hilarious who you are and how you do what you do, which there is only one you. Um, and uh, and when I would be on stage with Robin, I, I would resort to this. He, I'd go, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams. And he'd come on stage, and we'd maybe do a couple lines back and forth. I'm talking uh, clever lines on stage, dialogue. <laughs> and then And then I would... Literally dry hump him. That's what I would do. I would just start dry humping him, and he would go, "Stop it! I'm too hairy. Get away! I'm sweaty." And and then it, it was the only thing, but it was hilarious to him because it diffused him. Um, and he is when you say his name to people, people are immediately sad because he was and will always be for uh, this hundred years that people are living. Uh, one of the most beloved people who ever got on stage, who ever did a movie, who ever did comedy, um, with all of his devils and um, with all of his... He was also this amazing human. Um, and Those are two is, irreplaceable people, Ritter and, and Robin. Yeah, we got a bunch of them. I mean, I, I don't know, but those... But, yeah, those two... I got to ask you one thing I heard about, Rodney. I and, can't and talk was- about it. No, listening, <laughs> listening, listening to your podcast, and you were talking about Rodney, and I wondered if Gilbert would relate to this. That Rodney compared doing stand-up comedy, uh, doing stand-up comedy, to being a border guard. Yeah, that's what I talked yeah. about. Um, wow, he said Rodney would say, uh, "Doing stand-up, man, it's like doing trying to get out of Nazi Germany. So you do six minutes for the guard at the border, and you go, if you're funny, let you go. If not, he shoots you in the fucking head." <laughs> and so that's. Was incredible. That's how he looked at stand-up comedy, and that's why he was always sweaty, always wanting to kill, always feeling that desperation, and not treated with respect for so long, which is yeah. why he had three names. Uh, he was uh, Jacob Cohen, Jack Roy, and Rodney Dangerfield, and I talk about him a lot because he's a legend, and uh, he didn't get Caddyshack till he was 58. I know, late career, very late movie I, career. I remember him on stage one time. And he was trying new material, and it was bombing. And then he stopped and looked at the audience disgusted and went, Hey, if anyone tells you you're a hot crowd, you spit in their face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do do you want to tell the Ron Jeremy story since we teased it in the opening, Bob? Yeah, sure. It's pretty Uh, good. I I tell it a lot because, you know. I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, it's it's a nice one. It's good for the kids. Um, <laughs> you know, kids kids got to laugh too. Um, what happened was I was supposed to go to dinner with Rodney, and I was going to take him to the Palm, which he hadn't been to for ten years because he was mad at them. Because one time he went there and they gave me one big claw and one little claw, man. Like it was an insult. I'm like, well, maybe that's, that's how the lobster came. I think that's how the lobster came. And he went. No, man, it wasn't how the lobster came. They purposely gave me a smaller claw. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and then he goes, uh, his, hysterically, um, he goes, um, I went there to pick him up. I was 7 o'clock. I was right on time. 
He goes, oh, and he's in a robe, and his balls are hanging out because he was always half naked. <laughs> of he course. Had, he had a big cut down his chest because he had surgery. They took out all my guts, man. They laid him next to me, and they put him back in. Yeah, look how fucked up it is. He's got this jagged scar in the middle of his chest, and he says to me, um, you didn't call to confirm. I didn't think you were coming. I went, well, we had a date, so yeah. Uh, and as I walked in, his wife, uh, Joan, was leaving with a friend, and so uh, they were going out on the town, I think, because Rodney was going to be with me. And um, then Rodney goes, hey, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I got Ron Jeremy coming up here with two hookers, and I got to have him sign this release. And it was for his book. And then I look at the release on the table, and it's two sentences. It just says, I, Ron Jeremy, uh, allow Rodney to use me in his book. And then it's a, 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 you know an open lo- dotted line for him to sign. And that's, I don't think that holds up in court. Uh, but he says, you want to stay and hang out? And he's smoking a joint. I'm like, mm, I don't think so, Rodney. Every time he shakes my hand, I worry where his has been. I don't want to, I just don't want to do it. He goes, all right, man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And he he uh, he walks me over to the elevator. People that don't know, Ron Jeremy was a, uh, still is, I guess, a porn star who was uh, very well known for being able to, uh, uh, pleasure himself with his own mouth because he's like a roly-poly potato bug. <laughs> so uh, it's not a pretty picture, not something you want to see, but that was one of his talents, uh, besides being a big fan of comedy. So uh, Rodney walks me to the elevator, which led just to his apartment, and Rodney uh, is standing there, and I see the scar on his chest, and he says to me, uh, I'm sorry, Bob, I'm really sorry, I didn't know. And I went, you know, I just want to know how you're doing. And he goes, you want to know how I'm doing? I'll tell you how I'm doing. You're leaving, and I'm waiting for a guy that can suck his own cock. That's how I'm doing. (laughs) And then the elevator door is closed, and I literally laughed out loud. Um, I could not stop laughing because that was a truth. And, uh, you know, the truth's funny, and Rodney was uh, Rodney. And you, I, uh, I, I loved you presided over his, over his funeral service? Yeah, yeah, you I was the guy. And I was insulted by some comedians. Jim Carrey was very kind to me after Jay Leno got up. First, Jay said to me, um, I got a 5 o'clock flight to Vegas. You think I can go on early? <laughs> I, went, I, went, oh, I went, yeah, I'll, I'll put you on early, uh, Jay. It's, it's Rodney's funeral. Uh, and... <laughs> And but he was being sincere. He wasn't being mean about it. Except he did say eighty-four. That's that's a long life, right? I went. I don't think so. Not from that perspective. No, I don't think so. All right. Well, that's sad. And so he. But that was his heart. He wasn't. There wasn't malice. It's just Jay. You know. Yeah. Um, Jay was always nice to me. I know people have had issues, but he's always been kind to me. Did my benefit, and I was on the show when he hosted, and all that crazy crap that goes on in this stupid competitive business but um and then uh he did do a comment about me which pissed me off he said uh, uh it's good to see bob saget working again that's what he said when i was hosting the funeral uh <laughs> i mean it, it, there were no other roasty kind of jokes so it was kind of the only uh cruel joke um nobody laughed because it just was out of place because it was burying Rodney, and Rodney wouldn't have liked it. 
because Rodney really didn't like roast humor very much. He, That's interesting. He just liked good jokes, and he liked helping young comedians. And then Jim Carrey went up right after and said, remember this, Bob, and remember that, Bob, because he realized that I had just been put down at, uh, at Rodney's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and Louis Anderson put his hand on me, and he goes, he doesn't mean anything by it, Bob. Don't worry. He was very, very loving, because Louis is very loving. But, yeah, it was a heavy-duty funeral. It was very painful, um, and it was sad. We couldn't do the prayers we wanted to do. I felt bad for his kids who... Um, Brian and uh, beautiful Melanie, and um, I got to keep in contact with her. I got to contact her. I feel kind of during COVID, you in quarantine, you kind of think about the people you want to reach out to, and you weren't one of them, Gilbert. But I really, <laughs> do. you know, you reflect on your life. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we had Garrett here a couple of weeks ago, Bob, and we were talking about how we all grew up uh, on the on the Carson show, how it was event television when one of these comics would come on. Growing up in Philly, were you the kind of kid that would stay up late to watch Carson, to see, a, a, to see Carson. Rodney, to see uh, when, when, uh, when Rickles, Rickles was on? Absolutely. Watch the and Dean Martin roasts, which we all obsessed I about. I watched all of it, but before that, it was he, Johnny Carson was 90 minutes long, and I would oh, watch yeah. that. Sure. That's how old I am. So um, I was in Washington, D.C., staying at my uh, cousin Tootsie's house. And cousin Tootsie, God bless her, she had, you always say that before you say something terrible, she had uh, polio. <laughs> Save your laughs, Gilbert. And, um, <laughs> and so she was on cousin crutches. Tootsie. And she was really mad at me because she had a beautiful apartment with Jules, her husband Jules, and um, I, uh, Statisky. And I went to go visit them in Washington, D.C., and I had dog shit all over my <laughs> shoes and didn't know it. And she had light blue carpeting, much like the White House has, although now I think it's all orange. I'm not sure. But um, I tracked dog shit all over. And here she came out with her crutches and she, Bobby, you ruined my carpet. She had a you know, very strong southern accent that sounded like Felix the Cat. Um and, and Mickey Mouse. And she was, I actually loved her a lot. And I stayed there alone. Uh, at nine years old, they left me with uh, Jules's sister, my Aunt Becky, who was senile, but she was taking care of me. And I watched Johnny Carson on New Year's. And uh, I lit a sparkler all by myself. And Johnny Carson was my companion at nine years old. How about that? Because he talked so like a person. And that's what a great, great broadcaster he was, that he brought solace to a nine-year-old kid um, and made me feel like I wasn't alone. And I think the whole country felt that way about him. Uh, dead air is really good right now. <laughs> I, I, I heard you talking to John Hamm on your podcast about Carson, and you still, you still revere him oh, to, uh, to everyone, this day. Everyone should. There, there will never be another. Um, he was amazing. He was incredibly kind to me. Um, and he was probably, and, and Letterman was also one of the best that will ever live and uh, also took his cue from Johnny's greatness. Mm -hmm. um, and then everybody we have now. I mean, I'm enjoying, I don't enjoy Zoom television, but um, I get solace sometimes in Stephen Colbert and my friend Jimmy Kimmel 
And, you know, I mean, sometimes you, you get something that feels good when you're watching the guys and that are doing late night. We could use a lady in there. Um, oh, I miss I, Arsenio a bit. Agreed. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot of open holes uh, just in Gilbert's body alone. <laughs> <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Now, do you also, getting back to Don Rickles, do you think Don Rickles could have a career nowadays? I think yes, but I think he would have to tee it up a lot more careful. But I think he went out before this happened. And I saw his show near the end. Um, I loved him so much. It's, um, you know, he was full of love. Um, I'm sure he was always kind to you, right, Gilbert? Do you know I've never met Don Rickles? Oh, that's right. He told me by choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I brought it up. Um, <laughs> what was what was dinner like with him when he was when he wasn't on, Bob? Well, when, he, when was he was being pretty himself. much honest with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was always trying to get you and John to settle down. That was important to him. Yeah, he'd always tell us to, you know, stop, you know, stop dating uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he would always make jokes. Stop dating 13-year-olds. You know, you can't say any of that. You can't say that. And it was all, his, his act was, uh, you know, making fun of everybody. And it was, it, it came from a place of uh, that time. And a place of love. Um, I think a good example for people that haven't seen it, and I've talked about it before, is if you want to see Don Rickles and get what he meant um, and get where he was coming from, watch Denzel Washington on Letterman. Google oh, yeah. it. Yes. And watch the whole, yes, watch the whole thing. Because Denzel's on for three segments. And then Don goes, can you believe he wanted to stay during my segments? And Dom was like a little kid. He's just, I can't believe it. Oh, my God, does he get me? Does he think I'm funny? And Denzel's there, and Don comes out, and he says stuff to Denzel like, get my car, and things that are, you know, just horrific. And, And no one else could or should or would say anything like that. And Denzel is crying. Because what he's doing is he's with, and it's impossible to explain. Yeah, but he, he's making. But it does. It does. For some people, it does further racism, and for other people, it's shining a light on it. Right. Because that's what he meant to do, but he's from a different generation, where the Rat Pack would do impressions of Amos and Andy, and when I hear that now, it doesn't sit well with me. When they do that, all of them, Frank and and Dean, these are guys, I love the Rat Pack, but Don would do it some, but not, it was different with Don. Don spent a lot of time, um, also, he had every ethnicity. Yeah. Um, Jews were not spared, Um, waspy people were not spared, but you can't do that. My friend Jimmy Carr, who's on my podcast this week. Um, and do you know Jimmy Gilbert? Funny, uh, yeah, funny, yes. com- funny comic, Jimmy. Yeah, I love he's him. very funny. I actually love him. Real, and he's, really in our, he's in our vein. I mean the one on our penises. But he's, 
You know, he's he's wonderful. He's in Britain. He's he's fantastic. And he had a great joke. I'm not going to do it justice. And he said, you know, everything's changed. You want to do things that are politic PC. And if you're um, uh, Jewish, you can make fun of Jews. If you're black, you can make fun of blacks. If you're Asian, you're the only one that can make fun of Asians. And he went through an, another a couple of, of people. And then he said, take me, for example. Uh, when you're a pedophile, you can only... And then he just stops talking. <laughs> so basically, uh, he's just calling himself a pedophile. That's basically... And... And that word, you know, I'll say something that's irreverent or something dirty or, or the reference that you gave of me on your roast, on my roast, that you said that horrible thing. And then I'll read somebody say pedo. And that offends me a lot. It upsets me a lot. And when I was single, when I got divorced 25 years ago, I dated people that were a lot younger than me. They were all legal. They were over 21, but I was 41, 42 and I went through a little bit of a phase, but I didn't do, I never was a predator. People had to, you know this, Cobra, you're like this also. Uh, women had to throw themselves at me. I'm sure you went through that a lot before, Dara, where women would literally <laughs> throw themselves at you. I mean, physically literally. throw themselves at you and, and throw you to the ground. And their 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 reason was to crush you, to crushing and destroy you. I was Impossibly. like David Cassidy. You were. You were. Yeah, he was. You were like, like Butch Cassidy, Cassidy, right when he jumped yeah. off the cliff. And you know, I, I, you you were talking about that clip of Rickles and uh, Denzel Washington, and it was funny when you watch it. Rickles is making these red. Uh, you know, he says to Denzel at one point. Uh, what are you here? Do you have to sweep up afterwards? And Denzel Washington is honored by it. Yes, and he's crying. Yeah, He's crying and he's slouching in the chair, more relaxed than I'd ever seen him on anything. And you can tell that Don revered him because Don also was an actor and wanted to be an actor and wanted to be bigger in movies. Good actor. Um, and he knows that Denzel is and will always be one of the greatest actors of all time. And, you know, I mean, I was with Den with uh, I wish Denzel, but unfortunately, Don. No, I'm doing his humor and it's not good. I was with Don at dinner and Sidney Poitier walked over and he did the same joke. He said, hey, Sidney, uh, at first they, he came over and they hugged each other. And then, and Sydney at that time, I think, was like 87 or something. And I don't know how old he is now, but he's, he's you know, he's one of my heroes, mm. for God's sakes. And and Don said, get my car. And, and, <laughs> and he's talking to, you know, one of the most beautiful human beings that ever lived and changed movies and changed acting for black actors. Um, and he was one of the very few. It's, it's, I had Whoopi on my podcast and we talked about it. It had been 35 years, 40 years since someone African American was nominated for an Academy Award. I think, you know, had, well, Hattie McDaniel, I think. Yeah. Yeah, been a long time. So, I mean, that's, that speaks volumes. And I think, 
the change has happened and it's going to change more. And um, there's something very special about um, the difficulty of this time, I think. I think some wonderful things will come out of these incredibly painful moments we're all living through. And, um, and there will be more unity and there'll be more justice for people. That's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Let us hope, let us hope. I I didn't know that Don, uh, wanted, uh, wanted to be honored by the Kennedy center. Uh, and it, it, it never came for, for whatever reason. Jimmy Kimmel really tried. Yeah. Um, and what was that uh, about? Was it, was it bad blood with the Kennedys old history? No, I think it might've been, um, it could have been, part of the content of his material it could have had to do with that i'm not sure i don't know um but he was honored at the apollo theater and i couldn't go to it because i was working and wished i could have gone and it was a beautiful night and um he was treated or was the beacon or the apollo i thought it was the apollo i'm not sure but it was a, a beautiful honoring and um a lot of people spoke and, and paid a tribute to, the, to this incredibly funny guy. He did things to me that were just hilarious. Um, he, uh, I, I've told this story many too many times. I might have told it on your podcast back in the 50s. Um, he, <laughs> he, uh, I hadn't seen him after Dirty Work for a while, and he grabbed me by the head in a restaurant, and he comes up to me and he goes, I don't miss you at all. And that's, that's comedy. You know, that's just, that's what it is. That's what I love. Um, can, I, can I ask you a couple of questions from listeners, No, Bob? I'm really sorry. I'm under a, an agreement with you. I'm a CIA operative. I just watched Homeland, all of it, all eight years. So I'm Did scared you really? of talking to wow. Yeah, eight years and three weeks. This uh, Terrence Stackhouse wants to know how much better would Full House have been if Gilbert had played the role of Uncle Jesse? <laughs> Well, the point of, of, of Uncle Jesse was to be a hunk. So obviously, with a lot of prosthetics and a wig and, um, and maybe be standing on a movable cart of some kind. You could have played Joey, but it would have scared the children. It could have been Dave Collier's part. I see Gilbert with a mullet. Well, you would have been able to work with Scott Weinger again, who was Steve. That's right, Aladdin. That's right. He was the voice of Aladdin. There you go. And you were the voice of the the parrot, Cock Cock. Yeah. (laughs) What's the name of the parrot? (laughs) Yeah. I say Cock Cock. Cock Cock. Cock Cock. What's the name? What's Iago. the name of the pair? Iago. Oh, Miago. Oh, no. Iago. Iago, like Othello. Oh. Right. Iago. Yes, sir. Oh, that's not like Othello. It's from Othello. From yes, Othello. exactly. Yeah, okay. Because Othello's a different word entirely. Here's one from Andrew Laposha. What is oh, Bo- I know him, and you, he's wanted by the law. Do you know him? What is no. Bob's favorite memory of Cloris Leachman at his Comedy Central roast? Just how nice she was and how excited she was to be there. Because I, you know, I would, I snuck in to watch Mary Tyler Moore show and Bob Newhart show when I was young. Oh. And, and I got to watch her work on Mary Tyler Moore show. And I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was 16 or something. 15, maybe. And then I, um, you know, Frankenstein, her performance in that is Frau Blucher. <laughs> she was... Uh, <laughs> 
unbelievably genius, comedic genius at what she did and such a great actress. And so I was excited she was there and she was excited because she had great material. I didn't come here to roast Bob Saget. I came here to fuck John Stamos. I mean, you know, you can't you can't use an F-bomb. I, I remember. I remember yes. Cloris Leachman uh, when she got up to the mic said, uh, you'll excuse me if I don't know who any of you are. I'm older now and all I do is watch TV, go to the movies and read magazines. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she put down all you YouTube stars and all this oh. stuff. As, as though all those people have no talent, which we know they have amazing talent. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, some do. Some do. Some YouTube stars, I watch what they're doing. I'm going, holy shit. They're yeah. going to direct a movie. And then uh, other ones, I go, everybody just wants to be famous. That's like the weird part. That's uh, Mark Arnold wants to know what it was like working with somebody Gilbert worked with, a great Jack Warden, when you directed Dirty Work. Oh, God in heaven. It was amazing. All I could think about was heaven can wait and and being there and all the oh, movies yeah. that he was. Yes, I mean I worship his work. What a what a consummate actor. Um, he was hilarious. He was so hilarious and so strong. I remember the producer was annoyed because he had to keep going. Can you get me a whore? And he, and the producer kept saying, Can you get him to say whore? <laughs> and so. And I went, no, but he's saying it old school. It's his way of saying it. Uh, here, here. <laughs> and I went over to Jack and said, the producer wants you to say whore. And he said, no. You also, speaking of your directing, Bob, what's this I'm hearing about a Martin Mull documentary? Yeah, it, it is in process. It's been a bit on hold because of uh, COVID. So it's hard to shoot more. But we've had a lot of great people we've interviewed for it. Uh, Martin Mull is a guy that I always looked up to. If people don't know his work, they're uh, missing something. He was one of my comedian, he's a musical comedian, so he would write the best comedy songs. Were you a fan, Gilbert, of Martin's? Oh, yeah. And I oh, those, with, those albums. You yeah. were, on, were you on Fernwood Tonight? I wasn't on Fernwood Tonight. I worked with him on Till Death. Right, I did an okay. Episode, two episodes of that. He is an amazing artist, and that's the theme of the documentary. And Kevin Bright's the producer, and I've been directing, and um, or we both do both. And um, the point is to give Martin his due. His art is unbelievable, and it's so socially relevant because he's always been ashamed to be the whitest man in the world and uh, and grew up in Ohio and a very vanilla life. And yet his show Fernwood tonight with Fred Willard, he and Fred Willard teamed up and it was beyond brilliant. And it really was about like the Rickles thing. It would, it would have the Fred Willard's character was racist as hell. And we just say this stuff delightfully and about Jews and blacks and this and that. And, but it was meant because there wasn't a, there wasn't a racist bone anywhere in that show, and Norman Lear produced it, mm -hmm. who, of course, did All in the Family and uh, Good Times and the Jeffersons and Maud. So this is coming from a man who is for the the human rights and American way um, of good people. That, a show ahead of its time. I, I very, remember, very much so. I it remember was daily. Martin Mull 
once said, when men get older, they look like Sean Connery. When women get older, they look like Sean Connery. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was unbelievable. And um, so far, we've uh, interviewed Steve Martin and Eric Idle and David Allen Greer. Oh, it's and, great. And um, many, many people that uh, love Martin. And he, he also is a musician. He plays guitar and talks about his life. He did a... A great thing years ago, I believe it was on Showtime, called The History of White People oh, in America. It's great television. And it's, you know, it can't be done now. It's no. one of those shows that can't be done now, but it's making fun of white people. Um, and, and this documentary, if you look at his art, it really deals with racial issues and how people, uh, black people in America, have been held down. Um, and that's his paintings. I mean, he is one of the most beautiful souls that I know, and very prolific. Um, he just, uh, he's writing, he wrote a book, uh, and he's finishing it, and it's, uh, what I've read is just, it's perfect. Um, I actually did the warm-up for a show that he starred in called Domestic Life, and Steve Martin and he were executive producers, and Martin was the father, and it was really good, really good. It had that wry sense of humor Mm-hmm. It it would would have been like a home improvement type of show, but it wasn't. It was very very smart, and very didn't have a lot of hooks in it. It had Martin's kind of low key wry sarcasm, and I did the warm up. I remember doing the warm up with Steve Martin. He grabs a mic, and starts talking to the audience, and uh, I had a mic also, and that was like an honor. And I was trying to make Steve Martin laugh, and I was twenty five, and I said. You see this jacket? And Steve goes, yes. And I go, $10,000. And Steve laughed. I, I was 24, 25, making Steve Martin laugh. And uh, he's one of my favorites also in life. Have you had him on the podcast, Gilbert? No. I have not That's had Steve Martin. You got to get bigger. You got to get really big. <laughs> we had Alan Arkin a couple of weeks ago. Alan Arkin's a goddamn genius. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I, you made I a movie wanna... with him. I remember one time at at a comedy festival, I was invited to be on stage with Martin Mull and Fred Willard, where they were interviewing me like a what's my line, where they both put on blindfolds and they were asking the usual question, are are you a singer? Are you a dancer or something? And then they said, all right, we don't know. So we're taking our blindfolds off. And they both took their blindfolds off and looked at me and said, are you in show business? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How did it end up? Oh, it was just like that. Like they never guessed who I was. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Is, is there uh, going to be a Dirty Work sequel, Bob? Is there talk of that? And will, you, of and, and, and will you will you include the donut scene? I, uh, no, it, the sequel would not have old footage. It would be a new movie. So I know. There's talk of it, uh, but I can't say more than that. Interesting. Uh, but there is talk of it, and Norm and I have been wanting to do it for a long time. And so we're, we're, uh, we're at it. We're, we're, we're doing what you do. And during this time, it's hard to get things set up, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, no one can work. Let's 
Let's go to let's go make a movie. <laughs> I didn't know let's you were not such. Let's go to the theater and watch a Zoom of people doing a. <laughs> what was happening is people are doing reboots. You know, they're doing Zoom reboots of your favorite things. Even Hamilton's coming up. It's going to be a a Zoom of the whole cast. You know, so a lot of TV shows are doing it. They couldn't do the Friends one. Something came up. I don't know what happened, but um, I'm sure they will at some point. Here's one for both of you from someone who obviously listened to your first appearance here, Bob, in 2015. Brian Hunter wants to know who gave the best head, Ernest Borgnine, Dan Blocker, or Claude Akins? Well, I don't know who he's talking to. I'd have to throw that to Gilbert. <laughs> Gil? <laughs> it, it, I think uh, that's an easy one. It was Lionel Atwill. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Is that a silent film star? <laughs> Because what you'd want is you'd want a silent film star because they won't talk about it afterwards. Yeah, on the last time you were on, we were doing a questionnaire back and forth, oh. like, who had the hairiest balls of the old Yeah, ass. that's different than who gave the best head, yeah, assuming was... that we would want one of those gentlemen. Uh, blocker is a good name because it would be a cock blocker, so you'd rule him out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you you actually asked Gilbert who the who who had the most disappointing penis that he ever put in his mouth, and Gilbert, you said Richard Crenna. <laughs> <laughs> um, Back when I, we were silly. I can't go there, but I would say Gig Young. But um, <laughs> Gig Young. No, that's sad. Actually, that's sad because yes. he actually took his own life. Bad ending. Know? Horrible. Great, great actor. Great yes. actor. Ter he was in one of my favorite uh, Twilight Zones. I, I think Which was, one was I it? Think what it was happens in it? Walking Distance. That's right. Where his car breaks down from his the town he grew up in, and he goes back there, and he's back in time and meets himself as a little kid. Oh, that's and, they do that in every show on television now. Yeah. But yeah, but this, this one's pretty guy. special. Yeah. Yeah, he is a great actor. There's so many great ones. Do you remember, speaking of the Arkans, Bob, do you remember making a werewolf movie with Adam? Yeah, it was the first thing I did. And, yeah. uh, Larry Cohen, it, Gilbert. Larry oh. Cohen. Full who's Moon not, High. Not yes. with us anymore. No, he um, was great. He was great. He was on the show. He made a show. lot of those movies. He also made, I believe he made Blackula. Oh, Yes. I think Wait, he did. He made a lot of black exploitation movies, with like yeah. Fred, Fred the Hammer Williamson. I don't think he made Blackula, but he didn't. Are you sure? I don't think that was one of his. Um. Okay. It, it was already too good to be one of his. <laughs> <laughs> William Crane directed Blackula. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but La but Larry definitely uh, he he uh, that was a genre that was that he moved around well in. Very comfortably. And he was a, a total character because every other yeah, thing Yeah, he really he's... was. Go ahead. No, I was saying just about everything he said on the podcast, you go, okay, is he telling the truth right now or is this total bullshit? Oh, so you had Larry on? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, a couple of years he ago. he was great, great. Yeah, he was wonderful. Larger than life. That's so funny. 
That's Here's so another funny. one for you, Bob. But you had him on is hilarious. Oh yeah, we love those guys. I mean, we you know we had uh, we had Richard Donner here too. We love those directors. And Roger uh, Corman, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, we had Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one, Gil? Because David Berkowitz canceled at the last uh. minute. <laughs> <laughs> so who's who's your favorite guest you've had on besides me? Oh boy! Uh, wow, so many that we've. I mean, I I loved um, Neil Sedaka. And Neil Sedaka, I love really? Bob Einstein. Bob Einstein. Uh, Einstein he's, a, has, he's a huge loss. Why is he gone? Incredible, another irreplaceable guy. He was hysterical. Uh, he was so funny. We're to, we're talking about people that we can never replace, but Bob, uh, tell. Yeah, you're also talking for an audience that is a hundred. So well, that's that's this show. This show, is, your audience is a hundred years old. Well, we're we're trying to teach the seniors how to download a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have sponsors? We do. Uh, are, are is it mostly for like adult diapers and stuff? All, all exclusively. <laughs> Well, so we, a lot we, of your, ca- a lot catheter, of your, and catheters. Oh my God! And, uh, uh, we, so we a lot have, of your, a lot we, of your we have the kind the of commercials that start out. Are you aware of how expensive a funeral can be? <laughs> <laughs> Bob, Bob, did you ever work with Pat McCormick? I know, I knew him, and yeah. he would say dirty shit to me because I was on The Tonight Show, so when I would see him, he would come over just to tell me real dirty stuff. Did you have him on? No, we, we, no. we, we started he the show. He passed away a long time ago. Yes, sir, he was gone. I know the story about him is an old couple in the valley came over and said, can you tell me how to get to Sepulveda and uh, like Burbank Boulevard? Supposedly, he took out his penis, and yep. he goes, okay, this thing is Ventura <laughs> Boulevard. <laughs> And he used that as a Thomas guide. <laughs> There's a reference, a Thomas guide. Yeah, right. There's one that I haven't thought of in 20 years. Amanda Stefan- uh, Stefaniak says, I've got to listen to the, uh, Bob's original episode to jog my memory. Uh, but I would love to ask him what was going through his head as Norm MacDonald performed his legendary roast, uh, seemingly cribbed from an old joke book. Well, I, I had talked to Norm on the phone about it, and we had decided that um, he said, I can't make fun of you. You're my friend. And I went, well, Norm, you have to do what we do at Roast, which is you got to criticize me or I'm just going to read jokes from a 1940s joke book. And I went, Norm, that's not going <laughs> to, you can't do that. And he went, well, I don't care. I don't make fun of my friends. And I went, okay. Um, I said, say fuck at least. He's like, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, and so it's hilarious. He ended up doing the craziest 20 minutes, if you remember, Gilbert. It was yes. just... I remember, I, I remember he said, uh, hey, you know, I was talking to my friend Gilbert, and uh, mm-hmm. I said, there's a door backstage that says, gentlemen, well, pay no heed. You can go right in. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no heed. Pay so no he was doing, heed. He was literally talking like Robert E. Lee. He yes. was Robert E. But he was doing jokes from a 1940s joke book, and at one point he said, "Bob's got a face like a flower, a cauliflower." I'm saying, and then no re- no response, and he goes, "I'm saying you got a fucking dog face, okay?" And then it got a big laugh, and then I'm like nodding, like, "Yeah, yeah, curse Norm, it's gonna work." 
And then he still was doing his Carson-esque thing. And then while everyone else was roasting me, he was reading the sports section, which is pure norm. Um, I just remember we went to dinner. Gilbert, that was so much fun. We went to dinner with Norm and Jeff Ross and you and me. Yeah. Gilbert Payne. (laughs) Yeah, I remember it was in L.A. It was at Jones. It was at Jones at Formosa. And and it was just nonstop laughing and joking the whole time. And then we, you know, but you and I were doing our our joke. Uh, you know, <laughs> today I saw the dummy um, in the yeah. window, and then, so we were yeah. doing that over and over again. And uh, Norm went, "Oh, this is great! You're you're doing an uh, inside joke from last night's dinner." <laughs> so, <laughs> He was he was uh, understandably annoyed, you know. <laughs> so funny. I, I I I love him very much. He is uh, obviously one of the funniest people alive. Truly tr- um, brilliant. But I I went to the Friars. Jeff Ross took me to the Friars. Gilbert, you spent a lot of time there, right? Oh yes, yeah. Were you a member? I it, it's well I I never. Uh, Wrote out a check to them, obviously. And so I never actually officially. <laughs> obviously? So, Why sorry. is that obvious? Are you like so, the so, cheapest Jewish person alive? Is that your thing? So because I would show up, <laughs> I'd show up at any event where I could get a free dinner at. Right. Uh, they eventually made me an honorary member. Right. What and choice so did I'm they have? On the, I'm on the plaque. <laughs> Well, they needed you. Yeah. Yeah. They needed them there. So what What happened? What happened? Would you go there all the time? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been, I've been, I did roast over there. Is I, it gone? Is it, are they, are they done? Uh, I don't know. I mean, know. not through I, COVID, but before quarantine, did they go away? I think they shut the place. They were having financial problems and they temporarily shuttered it even before COVID. Did someone steal money? There was some embezzlement, allegedly. And, and I heard that's nice. Like, that's so nice. Al- allegedly, <laughs> I heard like the FBI actually showed up and were taking records out of their files. What records? Up. Like famous Lenny Bruce ones? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old Martin Mull records. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was Frank Fontaine. Songs I sing on the Jackie Gleason show. (laughs) (laughs) Hiya, Joe. (laughs) Hiya, Mr. Donahue. That was the character. And then Foster Brooks. Oh, yes. I'm just trying to... (laughs) Now, try to do a drunk act nowadays. Another one. Well, there's a lot of people that are. When they get on stage. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Bob, how are you enjoying being a podcaster? Being a host? I love it. I love it. I I guess I'm 36 episodes in, something like that. Good show. I, I, I love doing it, and it's doing well. And... I'm lucky to have my friends on, um, which I understand why you don't want to be on it, Gilbert. And, um, 
but you're, you're also dispensing advice to the public. You're yeah, giving... I, it's, not advice, it's whatever they want to talk about. You know, yeah. sometimes it's advice. Sometimes it's just, you know, just trying to make them feel good because life's not easy, you know. So I'm trying to help in whatever way I can. Uh, and then I have conversations. A lot of it's not funny. It's just conversations because a lot of people are lonely and mm-hmm. I've just been reaching out, you know. Of course, Stamos was my first guest, and it was audio only, and now it's Zoom. And then I put it up on a... I don't put it up. They put it up on a YouTube page, which I never had. Do you have a YouTube page, Gilbert? Oh, I've got all those things. And, and He's look, got it all. you ever look at it? He's on TikTok. And, yeah. I'm my, on TikTok, too. Yeah. My my 13-year-old daughter is in chargeable. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, the YouTube people give nice comments like, uh, I hate both of you. You know, things yes. like that. <laughs> and like, I want to delete them, but it's like, well, I don't have time for that. You know, just let them be morons or, or um, you know, just weird stuff because some of it gets political because yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is a guest, so they're like, they don't, they, all we talked about is what's wrong with the world. And why can't people just love each other? And people don't want to hear that. You can't say, why can't people love each other? People go, fuck you. It's like, okay. <laughs> Outrage culture. It's not going to be a conversation. So, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever I can. Last question for me, Bob. Uh, Bill Cosby actually advised you to not work so blue? <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he always did. <laughs> He always did, but I got it out on stage, and he got it out in people's faces. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you, do you know yeah, anything about Asian not... models? Oh, oh yes, this one of the writers of the Cosby Show when I was uh, when I did a guest spot told me that Cosby had it in his schedule that an hour was set aside to teach comedy to Asian models. Well, that makes sense. That that sounds. <laughs> well, that's why that you sounds... hear. That's why you hear so many Asian girls going, "Hey, you know, uh, I was uh, my my friend fought out <laughs> You know, when you see pictures of him now, he doesn't look happy. I don't understand. <laughs> and he, I idolized him. That's the weirdest part. I really did look up to him when he was on I Spy with his with his albums. He was an influence, you know, and I started cleaner. And then I don't know what happened. I kind of blew up my TV image or did more of what I did before I got family shows. And I still I guess my act's less blue than it used to be or or my act. Whatever I'm rolling right now in stand up Mm -hmm. is not as blue. Um I'm trying to just do what I find funny, and I tell stories, and I love a good dick joke. I mean, who doesn't? Well, and, we also uh, want to we also want to thank you for being part of our sixth anniversary show with your nice video. Congratulations that you sent in. Oh, that was really heartfelt, but I faked it. I know. <laughs> it, was, it, it was sweet. No, I it was love a, you, Gilbert, and I, I I like you, Frank, as an acquaintance. Thank um, you, Bob. <laughs> and I love Dara, and I don't know Matt, but I I love his screensaver. Um, poor, poor Matt. <laughs> all I wish right now, Gilbert, is for your uh, health and your safety, and uh, and don't let people come over and and empty their nose into your mouth. I mean, that's where you get it. 
Um, don't go to hospitals into the COVID testing room and get all of the swabs and suck on them. I would say that'd be really stupid and dangerous for you. Um, you know, don't don't go into the intensive care and just take deep breaths and go, ah, yeah, I love the ocean. You know, you know, don't do stuff like that and be safe and. Now, all these people that don't want to wear a mask, it takes away their freedoms. They really should wear them because they're really ugly. They're Most of them are. I haven't seen a really good-looking person screaming about wearing <laughs> yeah, yeah, a mask. I haven't seen Michelle Pfeiffer complaining you know, about wearing a mask. Don't make me wear a mask. I'm an American. And they just, they look really, they look like one of the statues that are made of tinfoil they're taking down. <laughs> Why are people upset if we're taking down statues that are hollow like a Easter bunny chocolate? You know those hollow Easter things? Oh, you don't know from Easter. You don't. You ever had a chocolate bunny? <laughs> Gilbert, did yeah. you ever eat a chocolate, uh, the big chocolate Easter oh, bunnies? I've had the chocolate bunnies. I've had the chocolate Santa Clauses. And, of course, the Hanukkah gelt. Yes, that's And they, they were all in, in aluminum foil. And the outside was, the outside was nice to all of them. And the chocolate was the cheapest shit in the world. It's shit. It's yeah. shit. It was the almost worst like it was made of wax. Yes. And, yes. And I think it was. I think there's wax in it. Not unlike those things that were filled with sugar water that were wax and kids would eat it. But it oh, was yes. I remember nickel, that. Yeah. Nickel, nickel I think, nips. think that shit was in those fake Easter Bunny Santa Claus. When you got a Santa Claus made of chocolate, is the first thing you would eat would be his dick? <laughs> Or would you go right for Santa's ass? I would lick out his asshole. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you'd, you'd eat his sack and swallow toys? Well, first I'd rub, his, rub my face against Santa's dick. <laughs> so, so Christmas for to you. To show that I loved him. Right. Did you believe and that he's a I, I would rub my face against the Easter Bunny's balls because they right. felt like cotton balls. Yeah, they were cotton balls. Of course they were. When I was a teenager, I would call a supermarket and say, "Do you have?" It's an old joke. Do you have cotton balls? Oh, no. And then they would. The, the punchline would be that the guy would say, "Who do you think I am, Peter Rabbit?" But nobody ever. Nobody ever finished it. Did you ever write letters to Santa as a little kid hoping that you could one day eat his chocolate uh, balls? Well, I, I was never that witty. So I would write to Santa and say, I'd love to lick the shit out of your asshole. You would write but, that to Santa? Yeah, to Santa. At the North Pole. And I wouldn't write to the Easter Bunny. I'm not an idiot. Bunnies can't no, read. No, he can't read. He's a bunny. <laughs> what about Santa? How old were you when you wrote that uh, to Santa? I think I was two. <laughs> <laughs> and what exactly? Tell me the wording again okay. of how you wrote to Santa when uh, you were two. Dear Santa, can I lick the shit out of your asshole? <laughs> Did he ever answer? Did you get your Christmas wish? We, I, we were pen pals after that. Really? So, if you say perverted stuff in a letter to Santa, 
He writes back? And then, then I wrote to him and said, uh, can I lick your big sack? <laughs> I think, Gil, I think we got to save this for the Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're going yeah, to hang on to this one, Bob. Yeah, it's this only, is a copy and paste. Yeah, it's um, only July, but we'll, we'll hold it. I think it. you should leave it. Don't cut this from the episode. Oh, this, gosh. To me is, gosh, no. Th- these are jewels. Uh, we're going to plug uh, your podcast. These are jewels. <laughs> let's let's also plug your book from two, uh, from 2014, which is very funny. No, don't do these old credits. It, D- it, you're causing a lot of pain. Dirty Daddy. That's a good book. It's it's available now on microfiche. <laughs> so says so you can get it where you can get Gilbert's book. And That's, oh. yes, Dirty Daddy is in paperback still. And they will. We will look for the Martin Mull doc when all this uh, this shit is over. And the podcast is called Bob Sackett's here for you. And that's available wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple or Spotify or your grandmother's house. And finally, <laughs> what do you know about Cesar Romero? I know that my mother saw him in a parking lot and said that he hit on her. I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, jeez. In the Valley years ago, and my mother's gone for years, but 25 years ago, she says she saw Cesar Romero not dressed as the Joker from the TV's <laughs> Batman, and he uh, came up to her, and he was wearing a black leather jacket, Bobby. Get a drink with me. So my mother apparently was attractive back then. Um, My dad was sexually abused by Frank Gorshin. Um, (laughs) That's that's tragic. uh, Yes, it was uh, riddle me this. And then that's what he did with his penis. And his penis was shaped like a question mark. Was your grandmother ever abused by David Wayne? I think you've hit a nerve. The bad hatter. Talk about it. I don't know how you knew that. Thank you. Yeah. My grandmother was actually uh, David Blaine uh, encased her in ice, in in slabs of ice. Did your grandmother ever go down on either Julie Newmar? Yes. 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 Yes, she went down on my grandmother, my bubby, uh, went down on everybody, everybody. And that's how she got to America from Russia. Oh, and oh, fuck. I forget. uh, Earth. uh, What? Who is the other? Earth Kit. Earth 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 Kit. Earth Kit. Yeah. Um, I don't talk about my my bubby that way. But yes, the answer is yes. But I don't talk. I don't talk about her that way. Um, what about uh, the Victor Bueno uh, played Buono. the Egyptian? Buono. Oh, yes, Victor Bueno. Yes, big time. Played the pharaoh on, on Batman, yes, television's indeed. Batman. Um, do you have a question about him and my grandmother? Um, he called oh, her uh, King King Tit. <laughs> She's no more, and uh, I loved her very much, uh, in all seriousness. Now that we've talked about her so respectfully. Gilbert, we got a wrap. Okay. Well, I love you very much, Gilbert, very, very much. Um, 
And Frank, I, I, as Rickles would say, I tolerate you. Um, <laughs> Come on. And, and as, as Rickles would say, Matt, Rickles would say, Matt, not so much. Uh, and Dara, Dara, I truly love. You're a very lucky man, Gilbert. You've, uh, you've really outdone yourself. Please don't touch her. And, um, and uh, you know, you'll, you'll make everybody happy. Are you guys thinking of having more kids? No. Uh, do you hope that Santa will come? <laughs> I hope Santa comes in my asshole. <laughs> you realize this is just blatant. This is just blatant. Phil, there's no reasoning. <laughs> it all started as <laughs> There, there goes our humanitas prize, Gil. But this, was, this was definitely going to be the. Yeah, this is. Cool. I was going to submit this one. But this was a good one for. The, I was going to submit this one for the Peabody. Yeah, for, you could for the pee on me is what it's for. But, for for but your the, consideration. But, <laughs> this is for your inconsideration. You have to listen to this shit. Give, give um, our best to Michael O. Too, Bob. I will. He's and a- Gilbert, I hope you get what you want for Christmas. <laughs> and what would that be? It'd be Santa's what? I would like. I, I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep saying it over and over and over. So well, listen you, closely. You don't do that normally. No, not me. You've just ru- you ruined my reputation with that other <laughs> one. Well, I would like Santa to shove his cock up my asshole. <laughs> And come in my asshole for Christmas. Not the other holidays. The other holidays he rests. Would you want one of the elves to be like uh, uh, holding your holding something? I you would want- like to shove. <laughs> I would like to shove all of the elves up Santa's asshole. Oh, I know they're they're big though. What if and, you hurt Santa? And, and and while while I'm shoving them. Up his asshole. I want Santa to go, ho, ho, ho. Because that's what Santa does. Yeah. Sounds like Ed McMahon. So you want him to be jolly. You want him to be jolly while you're shoving elves up his asshole. And I'd like to shove reindeer up his asshole, too. Well, you know how Rudolph got that red nose. He was the last one out. It made a sound. It was like it was like a suction cup. It was when that reindeer came out of uh, Santa's asshole. It was like the day the clown cried. It was like that. <laughs> Quite an analogy, Bob. Thank you. Well, happy Christmas. Thank um, you. Yes. Uh, yes. At, e- at Easter, at least Navidad. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll lots save of this love one to your listeners. I hope they're. Alive by the time this is released. This was like a Perry Como Christmas special, really. It was like a very throwback. Much, yeah. Very much. Uh, <laughs> it was like you... Bean Crosby by the fireplace. <laughs> when he would throw his children into yes. it. <laughs> I hear he was a good dad. Oh, my um, God. But we I, don't know if that's story, true. The is story. That, but is that... I don't think that's true. I think it's just like now, so much tabloid stuff. I think, someone, I don't know. Someone asked, uh, was talking to Buddy Hackett about Bing Crosby, and Bing Crosby said, you, you want to know 
You want to know why Bing Crosby beat his kids? Because Bing Crosby couldn't get a hard on. <laughs> well, that I think people that do abuse uh, people are, are because they have uh, sexual problems. I would think so. They're angry about something. Maybe they heard this podcast. Maybe. <laughs> I would hate to think they listen to this and then oh, go God. beat someone. I hope not. All right, well, Gilbert, you sang Freebird. I've got to. That'd be a good song right now. He's done. He sang his closer. I know. Oh, well, just as before we leave, I just want to ask one more time, are there any other wishes that you would have when Santa comes down your chimney? Your evil second. <laughs> I like I like making Gilbert laugh. Well, what, what, I'd like, I'd like what would be the best? What would be the most dramatic, exciting thing Santa could do for you for Christmas? Well, I'd love to shove my dick in Santa's mouth because he's got that big beard. So it would feel like I was fucking Mrs. Claus. Now what? If, but you wouldn't want to touch Mrs. Claus. You just want to do it to Santa. Yes, yes. I, I have, I have self-respect. Right. Okay. And and uh, yeah, I was gonna say more of the 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 ten days of twelve days of Hanukkah. Or Christmas, I don't know. But all the children are snuggled like uh, sugar plums. You don't want that. Not no. with Santa in the house. I. I t- t- I'd like him to lick my sugar plums. <laughs> you would like you would like Santa to teabag you? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I hope the kids went to bed early, Gil. <laughs> you might want a disclaimer on the end of this. But, but go, this, this podcast is not for everyone. And then dot, 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 wait for it. Um, one last thing. What would be your favorite Christmas present? <laughs> What would you love the most? What, would be, what for you would make you the happiest on on Christmas? You wake up Chris. You wake up Christmas morning and and Santa is squatting up of my face, <laughs> taking, taking a tremendous shit on me. <laughs> After eating a thousand candy canes. <laughs> After eating a thousand what? Candy canes. <laughs> so that's that's what you want? Who doesn't? And then, and then when he's done, is he gone on his sleigh yelling Merry Christmas? <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> When the last log of shit comes out, he goes, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. So are they are they Yuletide logs? <laughs> well, before we, we go, we want to thank our sponsor, Hallmark. <laughs> oh, my God. What if, what if Santa was constipated? Would you not be able to get your Christmas wish? If you were on a vacation with dad yes. and it was Christmas time, because some people in show business going up to the, say COVID's over, it's two years from now, you're on a vacation, 
You're just a two of you in a beautiful romantic spot, and Santa shows up. What would be your <laughs> Christmas wish at that moment on your beautiful Christmas vacation? Well, first I'd say, St. Nick, would you like to take some laxatives this time? <laughs> and then I'd ask him to hold it in. Excellent. As, as long as possible. So it would really... <laughs> say say night, Gilbert. <laughs> no, he, the man's not done. What? He does what? Is there something explosive that happens? It would, yes. It would come blasting out. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you think it's not the reindeer at all? It's his propulsion yeah. of, 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 of explosive shit. diarrhea? Of explosive. shit. <laughs> so all the houses are covered in it as he flies off into the night? <laughs> hey, somebody's got to edit all this together. <laughs> I don't think there's any editing required. I think people... It's just a couple of pals talking shit. <laughs> well, I love you, Gilbert. And thank you, Frank. And thank you, Darren. Thank you, Matt. Um, it was a pleasure being part of your spectacular show. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I got to say, you, Bob. I got to say the good nights. And then if you could do an ID for us. Uh, okay. Thank you, Bob. Uh, well, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal show with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We've been talking to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> A man who's jerked off in Santa Claus's beard. <laughs> Gilbert, Bob, stop. stop. Gilbert, no, do it different. Do a different closing. It doesn't involve Santa Claus or 1990. <laughs> oh, God. Go ahead. Come on. It's, it's, it's Christmas in, in, in July and August. Go ahead, Gil. One more. Okay. And then Bob will do a nice uh, promo for us. Oh, it's going to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Been talk- uh, fuck it. We've been talking to Bob Chaggett. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Oh, my God. We're all going to prison. Thank you. <laughs> Who's got a beard that's long and white? Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes around on a special night? Santa comes around on a special night. Special night. Big red cherry nose Santa's got a big red
Must be sad.